Hello and welcome once again to another podcast episode of Two Men Talking. Those two men being Stanley and Fred, their discussions may make you laugh, may touch your heart, sometimes may even drive you a little crazy. One thing's for sure, these two continue to talk. Controversial conversations that never end. Hi there, I'm Jordan Rich, and I get to hang out with these two wonderful gentlemen as they discuss issues of the heart, mind, and soul. And today, Stanley and Fred have an opportunity to talk about the podcasts we've produced so far and their relevancy to what's going on in the real world. Stanley, your reflections. So we started this podcast in April, and since then, I must say, we've become more sophisticated in our presentation, and even Jordan has become smoother in relationship to uh, our presentation. It's interesting that there are some presentations that things have occurred after our presentation relating to our podcast. Fred and I thought we'd go back and sort of have reflections on some of the podcasts we've had and maybe uh, comment on some of the recent publications and comments that people have given us since those original podcasts. So the um, first podcast we did was Women Are Replacing Men With Dogs. So that was, uh, Fred uh, was the expert on that one. So what do you think, Fred? Anything new development since then? Well, yeah, both our level levels of consciousness around dogs and relationships have have increased since we did that podcast. This past weekend, I was in Nantucket with my daughter, and uh, she has a Bernese Mountain Dog, weighs 120 pounds, and it's named Fred. We were going to the beach, and my daughter said, hey, Fred, we're not taking you today. And Fred looked at her. Next thing you know, Fred's in the car with us. We get to the beach. Fred is walking around, and two children come over, and they go, are you Fred from last year? And my daughter said, yeah. They go, wow, how big he's gotten. And the next thing you know, they're petting him. I'm noticing all the women coming over to Fred, petting him and stuff like that. But then later in the day, the lifeguard started running in a direction and everybody was watching. What had happened was a golden retriever uh, went out 150 yards. The owner was concerned that the dog was didn't know which direction to go. And so the lifeguards actually went in to save this golden retriever. When the golden retriever came out, the attention that it got and the love was like incredible. It was just like, in my opinion, saving a person. My level of consciousness about the relationship between people and dogs has has been lifted by our podcast. Can I just say something here that I am also the grandfather of a Bernese mountain dog? Ah. Congratulations. Thank you. The dog's is name... It, it, the dog's name is Baby, named by my little granddaughter when the dog was a puppy. She's a 125-pound baby at the moment, if not more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very Love that nice personalities, uh, real terrific. That's the dog one. Stanley, I'd like you to chat about a dinner we had a few weeks ago. So Stanley and I did a podcast, Divine Intervention or Random Probability. Stanley's position was pro-random probability. Mine was divine intervention. Stanley, could you talk a bit about that dinner and what happened? I thought it was extraordinary. I really don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) Why don't you want to talk about it? Because I really didn't have much faith in divine intervention. 
But the story is, I'm friends with this young lady. She speaks about her religious leader with great affection. So I said, so why don't you bring him and his wife to dinner, uh, and Fred and I will meet him. So we did, and uh, his wife is 28 years old, a master's degree from Columbia University, childhood education, and a very, very nice young lady. And we are talking, and I mentioned um, my wife's name, and uh, I mentioned our uh, we had a weekend house up in Connecticut. And then she looks at me and says, I know you. I said, what do you mean you know me? She said, you know, you knew my aunt and my father, and they brought me up to your house when I was three years old, and I remember swimming in your swimming pool. And my father still talks about you. He's a uh, plastic surgeon in Philadelphia. I just, speechless, absolutely speechless. And then she gets on the phone and she calls her father in Philadelphia. And I said, you know, I was at your father's wedding. And I haven't spoken to her father either in 25. And he gets on, he's family, how are you? Isn't that interesting? You met my daughter. I, I'm still speechless. How this random meeting. And here's this woman who says, oh, I was three years old and I still remember you and we talked about you. And so that has sort of restored my faith in divine intervention. And uh, that's the story. Yeah, well, let me back that up with another, is it coincidence or divine intervention? The same person, her husband was there, and it turns out that her husband, one of the congregants in the synagogue, was someone who was an usher in my wedding, okay? I got married in 1983. I really haven't seen that guy. Next day, I get a phone call from him. Hey, last night you had dinner with my rabbi, who's, who's quite... Uh, liberal, the rabbi is. He admitted it. He acknowledged it. This guy did also. So there's a dual divine intervention. Stanley, you had mentioned to me that you read an article in the New York Times by David Brooks where he wrote about the American dream. We did a podcast a few weeks ago about the American dream. I took the position that the American dream is failing Americans. Curious to know, I didn't read the article. Usually give me articles. I didn't read the article on David Brooks, but what did he say? And that the article came out after we did our podcast. So the article was last Friday, August 4th. And Brooks talks about, doesn't mention the American dream exactly, but he mentions the fact that we've established a society of elitists who have destroyed the middle class. It's interesting 60% of the women in this country who have a child out of wedlock do not have a university degree. 10% of the women who have a child out of wedlock have a university degree. He indicates being a single parent impacts social mobility. You don't have to agree with all this, but there's interesting concepts. He says if you have an elite, if you're an elite graduate from an elite school, you get the best jobs in this country. So he talks about it from a political point of view, but it's very interesting. And then he goes on to say uh, people in the upper levels of our society get to the best colleges. There was an article recently in the elite colleges in this country, majority of students 
come from parents who are in the upper 1% financially. Those people marry other people in the same school. They have children and they move into neighborhoods where everybody is from the same socioeconomic group. So he is saying, in effect, that the middle class is the American dream and we're absolutely destroying them. Of course, my answer to that is, I know a lot of people who did not go to elite college, myself included, who have made very successful lives for themselves. So you said politically, um, how about socially? Due to diversity programs, males who look like me and you are going to have a harder time getting jobs. Again, I was with my uh, daughter and her husband, and they have two sons and a daughter. My son-in-law went to the Duke Business School, and he said to me, my concern is my sons are going to have a problem getting a job. So, you know, the American dream used to be all about merit. You earned your way. If you worked hard, you studied hard, you'd get a good job. And we spoke about the American dream, and I said the American dream is more available to foreigners than it is to Americans. Another podcast that we did, Social Media and the Destruction of Institutions. And then you, which is terrific, I love the articles you give me. You gave me an article, which was, I think it was an obit, it was an obit for a woman, a doctor, who rose out of poverty to write books and a lot of things. And she claimed a while back that pornography is destructive to relationships. And in our podcast, I commented on the increase of screens, iPhones, things like that. It's negatively affecting relationships. People idealize a partner, but reality is different that, than the, what ideal uh, partner might be. And I disagreed with you on that, but I think she made out an excellent, uh, a really excellent story and um, very logical presentation. So um, we also did a podcast on Time is Our Enemy, and I came across this very interesting article by Sue Collins, Gail Collins, who's an editorial writer for the New York Times, and she writes how 90 became the new 60. Uh, which I uh, I find interesting because I'm on the uh, very edge of uh, becoming 90. And she writes, uh, the number doesn't matter as much as the condition and how you appear to the outside world. What I found in that article that I really was amazed, that Gloria Steinman is 89 years old. And I remember very well the uh, Playboy Clubs that we used to, people used to go to. We had one in New York City. I thought that was time as our enemy was. Uh, we did a very good podcast. That was interesting. She, she was a Playboy bunny, right? Yeah, she was a Playboy bunny, and then she wrote an expose on the Playboy Club, and um, and she became a feminist. However, much to her credit, she said that Marilyn Monroe was one of the first feminists. And what she meant by that was Marilyn Monroe was basically, as a child, she had a terrible life. Lots of men did things and exploited her. And she rose above that to be independent. 
took acting lessons and um, became an icon. I find that interesting. So another one we did was loneliness. And after we did the podcast, the uh, New York Times did a feature article on loneliness. I find letters to the editor very interesting. Last week in July, the New York Times printed letters on loneliness. Some of them are really, really interesting. One individual said that loneliness is part of the human condition, and we should accept it as part of the human condition, and that's what it is. An individual who's a adjunct clinical assistant professor of medicine wrote that the answer to loneliness is group therapy. We should try that. Another individual said that uh, people say, oh, you're lonely, you should get a girlfriend. And he resents it very much. Uh, people say that to him. And he goes out, he tries to get into groups. He wrote this in the letter. He's a senior citizen. And he says, people talk about their spouse and their grandchildren. His spouse died, he doesn't have grandchildren. He's really not interested in going out and being with people because he can't join in the conversation. The last letter was um, from a psychiatrist who defined loneliness and solitude, okay? I thought that um, he, he goes on to say, you know, what we said, uh, people can be with people. It's not, uh, they still may be lonely and... Um, he says, in his view, relinquishing loneliness begins with being comforted with solitude. So we talked about loneliness, and so I mentioned the fact that you, in the winter, you look out a little, I don't know if we'll ever see snow again, but the snow is starting to fall. It's getting dark. The streets are empty. You have a drink in your hand, and you contemplate life, and you're lonely. Before you move on, so when we did social media and the destruction of institutions, we talked about social media. I say social media has made people more lonely and less together. You've got Facebook, you got Twitter, you got Instagram. People show pictures of themselves, their families catching fish. They ask people to like the picture. Yet social media is a solitude action. You're on your phone, you're on your laptop, and you're participating, even though you're sharing life events. So I think because of social media and all these venues, the old ways of being with people, which still exists, but it's being substituted by um, these venues. And I think it's created more loneliness as opposed to helping. Probably true. But on the other hand, um, we did this podcast on walking, and walking is how we originated the idea of the podcast. Uh, and the wellness section of the Times, I'm giving a lot of plugs to the Times today. I hope they uh, give us some free advertising about the podcast. Talked about walking and talking, the positive psychological effect of it is. And uh, I wanted to comment. Uh, Fred wrote a letter to the Times, which they sent them back a letter that said, your letter is accepted, commenting on what we do. The article 
really um, played up the very positive effect of walking and talking. And Fred and I are still doing a quick six miles on Sunday and uh, talking a lot. So uh, that was uh, pretty good. I don't. I, it, 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 by the way, it, it was a series. It was a series of articles on wellness. It was more than one. It was a series. Speaking about the value and the, the, the foundational experience of having family. And then this past weekend, I was in Nantucket with my grandchildren. And I uh, shared with them the podcast we did on uh, death, divorce, and resetting your life. And it was incredible to watch them listen to this podcast, which actually explained why their grandmother and grandfather have gone separate ways. And it explained it in a very positive way. And my grandchildren, the eldest one is 11, just sat there and listened to the whole podcast. A very valuable experience for me. I thank you and I thank Stanley for doing that with me. And I'd just like to say, uh, we've done well over 20 now, I believe, of these. And I speak for the audience. I've gotten to know you both on a uh, more personal level based on your values and based on your opinions and your senses of humor, etc. And I think that's what's happening in the delivery of the podcast to the world. And one thing is for sure, you guys may be considered a little older, but you're no less hip. That goes for you too, Stanley. Oh, you made my day. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to Two Men Talking, controversial conversations that never end. The podcast geared to men, women, and everyone in between from 20 to 100. Anyone who loves living life to the fullest. You can subscribe and download Two Men Talking wherever you get your podcasts. And Stanley and Fred would love it if you left a multi-star rating and review. We thank you and hope you too can find time to walk with a good friend. <laughs>